attention I can't get no call to action but I try and I try and I try Hello and welcome to Call to Action, the go-to podcast for anyone trying to make sense of the world of marketing, advertising and beyond. In an industry that is a minefield of utter bollocks, we aim to capture our heroes and allies from the front line to have a chinwag with. It's like Pokemon Go, with the single but vital exception that it's not a short-term bandwagon of shite. It's brought to you by Gasp and I'm Giles Edwards. Today, I've caught Stefana Bossa and Jennifer Tesla. Pals since puberty and prone to bickering like an old married couple, Stefana and Jennifer have always found a sense of purpose in creating stuff together. Their own personal experiences with psychedelics and inner work inspired them to found Alalaho, a series of psilocybin-assisted retreats offering a safe legal environment for a psychedelic journey. When describing the business, they say peak states such as those experienced on psychedelics can open us to what is important in life, but they aren't enough to cause lasting change. To deepen the insights gained during a peak state into a new way of life, we must address what is blocking us from experiencing our full freedom, wholeness and potential. Welcome to the show, Stefana and Jen. Thank you, Giles. So happy to be here. I'm really happy to meet you. Thank you. Right, we've got our seven quickfire questions. I'm going to come to Stefana first and then Jen. So, tea or coffee? Tea. Tea one. No caffeine for me. Herbal tea, please. Tea, a nice cup of puer in the mornings. Uh, mushrooms or truffles? Ooh, mushrooms. Uh, if possible, I mean, legally, just uh, in the Netherlands, we can just do truffles. So, happy with them too. But mushrooms. Wow, they're just a bit um, prettier and tastier. Okay. Um, mushrooms, but uh, mostly meditation for me. Perfect. Number three, open or deepen? Oh. Ooh, same, same, but different. <laughs> like two sides of the same coin. <laughs> okay, good answer. Uh, open or deepen. Oh, that's a good answer, Steph. Open or deepen. Yeah, both, both, definitely. Okay, this one might be more problematic. Berlin or Amsterdam? Ooh, I mean, for me it's easy. I live in Berlin, so I've made my my choice right there. Um, But I do think Amsterdam is prettier. Uh, Yeah, so Berlin to live, Amsterdam to visit. Uh, I live in south of France and I live in the countryside, so it's hard for me to pick any city. Berlin, just to see Steph. The add-on to that would be neither the countryside. That is definitely the best one. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, Stefano, you chose both, and Jen, you chose neither. Perfect. Uh, sing or dance? Oh, this is impossible. I'd say, no, no, both. It's got to be both. Um, I'm, much, I'm much better at dancing. Dancing is my natural kind of habitat, um, but my my soul really wants to to sing as well. And... I think you, you, you can't, you can't, it's no, you, you gotta have both. I'm sorry. <laughs> <You> can't. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jen? Mm, I agree. It's a bit like the open, uh, open or deep, and it's like, it, it can't really be a, you can't choose, I can't choose. Oh, okay. Well, you're, you're not allowed any more passes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. So we've got, we've only got two more. Magic or mystery? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, I know we're not allowed any more passes, but it's like you're asking us. It's like it's like great. Well, no, I don't know if Great Britain or UK is. That's not the good question. But the comparison. But it's like the same thing. You know, you can't choose between two things that are the same thing. But magic or mystery? Mystery maybe is uh, is vaster and contains magic. So I'll go with mystery if I must. You must. Thank you, Jen. Mm. Yeah, mystery. It kind of stays a bit more open. Okay, good. Right, last one. We've got psychedelic songs. So Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds or White Rabbit? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, this feels like a blast from the past to even... Yeah. Um... I mean, on some level, I think, like, I want to go Beatles, but with those particular songs, on some level, like, White Rabbit, it's just, but but because of the essence, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a psychedelic gal, so I, I'm going to choose Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Ah, oh, that's an easy peak for me, the Beatles, anytime. Oh, really? Wow, okay, brilliant. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Amazing. My, we left, we my... left the easiest one to the end, it seems. Yeah, it's good. My, my teenage bedroom was covered with uh, posters of the Beatles. Ah, wow. Who was your favourite Beatle? John Lennon. Nice. And originally. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so listen, I think everyone needs a break after that. That was a lot more stressful than I had anticipated. So to start the show, we like to celebrate the, the long and winding paths that guests seem to take uh, in their careers. Could you share with our audience what were your first ever jobs and then what was your first job that involved psychedelics because that's the bit that I think is really interesting so my first ever real job if you want to call it was um, as an assistant campaigner in um, in an NGO called Global Witness which is a sort of human rights NGO involved in political activism a corruption watchdog so very much in the kind of outward focused on how do we make the world a better place how do we create change and and that was the beginning of my journey very much politics economics human rights and my first psychedelic job was exactly (laughs) what my job is still now um seven years later it's uh yeah i i was asked kind of out of the blue never planned to do this never expected to do this i was asked if i want to set up and start running these retreats and when I was asked I had the strongest gut response and heard myself say yes even before I could think about it my head started to go what are you crazy what are you doing you're not qualified to do this what's your dad gonna think (laughs) (laughs) what did your dad think Oh, he was not impressed for a good number of years. Yeah, it was it was probably the most difficult period in our relationship because he always went told me to do whatever I wanted to do and just support me all the way. And, and then when I decided I wanted to be a psychedelic facilitator, that sort of broke down. But um, but no, eventually, like with more studies coming out, I think it was when the Financial Times reported on our retreats and when Michael Pollan's book came out that was sort of what won him over when he had colleagues from his um, his office say to him like oh I read about your daughter in the Financial Times I think that's when he started to realize I'm not just completely going off the rails like something is actually shifting so yeah now he's in support 
Perfect. Well, I'm pleased to hear that. And, and Jen, what about you? What's your background then? So did you have a similar kind of activist start to life? Because you two have known each other a long time, as I mentioned in the intro. Yeah, I mean, you we've been uh, we've been friends for sixteen years, um, and we've I mean we were close from the beginning, but we've definitely grown e- even closer with with time. We've had very similar interests and passions, and and the similarities in our trajectories, but somehow also with their own flavors and angles. So. Um, yeah, I've not. Uh, I wasn't formally involved in activism. I was when I was at uni through student societies, these kind of things. But in terms of first job, I mean, to be honest, my first real job is this one. Um, I went to uni quite late. I took about two or three gap years and travelled around, and it took me a while to find my path. Um, and my first job after uni, I joined. Um, Steph and I had organised a TEDx event called TEDx White Chapel, and um, we invited this guy. Oh, I forgot his name now, Richard something, from Mindfulness in Schools Project to give a talk. And so when I finished uni, I joined the team. I was just doing a bit of admin support as part of that project. It's basically bringing mindfulness meditation to kids in schools. Um, My intention was very much to have the lightest possible job so that I would have all the freedom that I needed to go and attend my Buddhist retreats. Um, So that worked well for a while. And then I joined... um, Yes, the um, Psychedelic Society experience retreats with Steph and, and now becoming Alalaho. It took some convincing together to join, but eventually she did. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 Jen, what would you say, and uh, forgive me, I think I might have pronounced it wrong in the intro, but Alalaho, what, so, so how would you sum up what that is in a nutshell to our listeners? Ooh, Alalaho in a nutshell. Alalaho is an invitation, I suppose, for people to get in touch with the infinite richness that lies within. And um, yeah, that's about it. That's a nutshell. (laughs) Is that articulation, does that explain what inner work is, Stefana? Or or is that not quite? Yes, it's like the sort of, maybe the the top line, the, the heading, and then of course you can break it down because maybe there be a lot of people listening thinking like that sounds nice getting in touch with the the uh, richness the infinite richness inside of us but yeah like inner work involves in some way i would say inner work is what it takes to access that so actually we have so many things that blocking us that from you know growing up developing our personalities our strategies to cope with the world that we then get a bit stuck in our habitual patterns and tendencies and limiting beliefs. So inner work involves opening the box of actually why are we the way we are and what what of that serves us and where could we actually maybe stretch a little beyond or what can we maybe let go of what doesn't serve us anymore and what do we call yeah, it? It's really like opening the box and taking all the steps into that vast dimension of um, an infinite dimension of our our inner world yeah and is that something that is always beneficial um, and important for us to to do inner work is it something that you don't think necessarily we are afforded the time or even the context to actually do inner work in our normal day-to-day lives yeah i mean <laughs> i think 
I it's I I personally obviously this is this is what I do this is what we offer um in our work so I I believe wholeheartedly in in the benefit of embarking on the inner path and I think that a lot of the the suffering that we see externally is the manifestation is of what is going on inside ourselves and we 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 live many of us live in um maybe in jobs and relationships and the the way that we're relating to life the earth that's actually are not super fulfilled not super alive not super connected i think there's a yearning in many people for more meaning for this, this kind of knowing that actually life can be more than this so so for that in a, both for the sort of the the beauty and the potential that actually this life has to offer as well as for attending to the suffering that we have in our own lives and that's playing out globally it's immensely beneficial it's like both the cleaning up and the and the expanding um in inner work and and inner work we can break it down i mean there's so many aspects of what is inner work um but yeah that's that's really uh that those are really the tools to to start addressing those aspects. Yeah, no, it, 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 I think the more the more I've researched um, your backgrounds and the more we've looked into uh, the agenda for recording today, the more it seems to be to make sense to be something that is relevant to so many more people than they probably would assume when they hear, say, psychedelic retreats, for example, simply because it's that search for meaning which I think is probably relevant to every single person on this earth, regardless of what country you live in and what kind of socioeconomic background you're from, et cetera, et cetera. And I imagine that anything that facilitates that can be and should be hugely beneficial to society. Can, can I chip in with just a little, like a, a quick point on this? It, it was just making me think as, um, as you were asking the question and Steph, as you were answering, um, yeah, reminded me of an image that I came across in the book just the other day, you know, about kind of um, transformation, like inner transformation. And you're asking about the the importance or the relevance of um, of attending retreats, you know, kind of going away to do inner work. And for me, the, 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 there's a kind of twofold answer. It, it's like um, it's trying to change without going on retreat in a way is a little bit like trying to rebuild a train station without stopping the traffic. And so I think there is something to be said about the importance of, you know, like just putting everyday life on hold and carving out a space that is dedicated to, yeah, just cultivating a particular type of awareness and, and, and engaging with other forces, not everyday life forces. And at the same time, it's also really important to say that inner work doesn't stop. You know, you don't do seven days of inner work on a retreat and then you're back in everyday life. It's like every moment of life can become inner work like even sitting at the computer or washing the dishes that's where the idea of I suppose practice you know kind of spiritual practices meditation practices come into play it's like we don't have to sit on a cushion or attend a retreat in order to attend to our um, our inner world no that makes that makes complete sense I like that Jen I, I like the idea also that it's a constant it's not you know it's not like a crash diet that someone might go on to become healthy and then they revert to their to their normal life and and your your kind of metaphor there about stopping the traffic is and, and physically going on a natural re a retreat would you say that's partly the role of psychedelics in inner work because in a way that's stopping the rest of the traffic in your headspace 
when you you know when you've, you've removed yourself physically but mentally maybe is that what psychedelics are used for yeah i'd say uh psychedelics are probably one of the m- most powerful tools that we have to stop the traffic or change the traffic in a very immediate way you know of course there are tools like meditation and psychotherapy where where you go bit by bit and psychedelics shake things up and there's often the metaphor used of a a sort of a snow globe you know that you can you just really shake it up or when I don't know if anyone listening has gone skiing the machines come at the end of the day and they just wipe all the snow clean again so that and then you can form new pathways it's it's a little bit similar so there is there is a sense of I mean often you know when when I go on a psychedelic journey it can be at least as much or even more mm, restorative and and nourishing as a holiday because there's a deep yeah spaciousness that comes from getting out of our usual kind of routines and patterns of of thinking so that is one aspect of it and then there's a whole lot more because of course also it gives you it can give you insights about your life. It can put you in touch with and give you access to feeling em- emotions that you've been suppressing, that have been blocked, that can get released and sort of cleansed through. And so it's, it's a very, it has a very cleansing aspect also and kind of like wiping, wiping um, the, the lenses a little bit. So and this is also part of the reason why... Um, there's so much creativity that's associated with it because yeah, suddenly you have all these new grooves. You're you're pulled out from your usual tra- uh, train tracks of thoughts. So so there is that, and there's there's a whole like there's so many different layers of what psychedelics can teach you, show you, give you access to. That is just one big component. We could speak the rest of the podcast probably about all the different, all the many different things that I've learned on psychedelic journeys, and it always changes also because they it's not like taking um, a pill where you know exactly what the effect is going to be it always works together with actually where are you at where is your psyche at at the moment what's the setting that you're in so for me over the years of doing psychedelic work but also doing psychotherapy also doing shamanic work it's the places that I reach and the insights that I get and how my my psychedelic journeys are now is very different to 10 years ago so that's also it's not so easy to give a kind of clean cut uh, answer to that question yeah no I know I appreciate that and, and, and I'm asking you I suppose to paint an impossible picture because I'm mindful that a lot of people listening to this might have no experience with psychedelics so asking someone to explain what that's like to someone who doesn't have that as a reference point um, I'm not even sure if that's necessarily possible but it's but obviously with your retreats, and this is something I'm interested to ask you about. So Stefano, I'll stick with you just because you've given that explanation. Is it beneficial, at, or is it as benefic- beneficial from an individual perspective as it is collectively? Because these are obviously retreats for groups of people. So I'm, I'm fascinated how how it affects the collective group of people going on a psychedelic journey versus, say, mm-hmm. an individual. Okay. Yeah. So uh, often people think that they yeah that they they want to go they they would prefer to have a a solo journey a private journey and 
maybe they only choose a, a group one because they can't afford a, a private guide or something like this. And and actually, I'm such, and I think we all at Alalaho are such strong advocates of the group experience and group work because we are social beings and actually so much of our pain and our struggles and wounding in life have to do with the issues we encounter in relating with people beginning from when we're young with our parents siblings then our boss employee relationship friends like it's we're very relational beings so there's a lot of healing that actually happens that isn't only in the psychedelic journey but that happens before be after in the different in the sharing circles in the different exercises that we do it's happened so many times that participants have come to us and and been like oh i thought i was coming on a psychedelic retreat i didn't realize i would get all of these other things or, or saying that actually the the sharing circles and the work we did on the integration day the relating work was at least as meaningful if not more to them because there's something we can feel so alone and isolated with our problems and when we come together in a group and actually realize that these are very collective things that everyone's struggling with and we see ourselves reflected in other people it makes it easier to open to to uh, to feel real connection and it makes the li- uh, the load feel a little lighter and and that so that's one aspect and there's also another aspect which is that psychedelics are not the psychedelic journey is not an accepted and integrated part of life in our society so when you have such a big experience and you come back home into your family and friends and social circle the chances are that many people might not quite understand what you've gone through so the group at the retreat is your kind of primary community that that knows exactly what you've been through and and that stays a resource i mean we have even a nine month integration journey with that same group so that you have that kind of ongoing support and many traditional sort of indigenous communities that have intact lineages of using these sort of substances it was part and parcel of their culture so you could just come back and you didn't need to integrate in the same way because it's woven into the cosmology and, and understanding how their societies function, but we don't have that here. So the, the retreat group, the group at the retreat is a, is a super fundamental resource. So those are two, two thoughts for uh, why group work is really precious. Yeah, but you know, that makes so much sense because you're right. I think even just with a, you know, a very limited experience of, you know, a kind of mental health and so many of, you know, my own experiences, it makes sense that anxiety is often born from a, um, feeling of maybe not belonging as part of a group there's always there's always several people at play or there's a community or there's a group or there's a tribe or however you want to articulate it so actually having this journey uh, for want of a better word that you have with your psychedelic retreats makes complete sense that actually there's huge benefits from doing it with other people versus just going doing something privately and do you find from your experiences i know i know um uh, jen you mentioned that you you know very well well traveled and um i know you've had experiences all over the world but do you think there are differences geographically speaking with the kind of crisis that, of, of meaning and this search for meaning that people have in societies um and stefana mentioned then about that kind of integrating back into normal life and trying not to fall back into those 
patterns that you might be trying to disrupt? <laughs> Interesting question. And to be honest, what comes to mind, I mean, I, I have traveled quite a fair bit and lived in a few different places, but um, we do live in a very globalized world. And I, I don't know that the cultures, you know, I've experienced in the few different places that I've lived in are, are so different, um, essentially, fundamentally. Well, yeah, some differences, but a lot of uniformity as well. And I guess what's coming to mind, you know, as you're asking about like, are there differences in this kind of crisis of meaning? And of course, it's in a way, there's probably as many crises as there are individuals and as there are collectives. And yet at the same time, I also have this kind of, maybe it's a bit more of a psychological or anthropological lens where Greek mythology still applies today in a way. And, and th th there's something I think that's just so fundamental to what it means to be human, to the way the psyche works. I, I guess I see something universal and I see something a little bit timeless in what we're experiencing. And at the same time, of course, there are the specificities of our day and age. And I think that the scale of things is, is probably quite new because we're in such a global village, you know, it's like, oh, suddenly the whole planet is concerned by this thing called global warming, for instance. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no shortage of uh, sources of anxiety for people to um, <clears throat> seek to understand, and I suppose escape, for want of a better word. Uh, so, how, so how do you help people stop from slipping back into these, you know, these, these learned patterns and, and behaviours? And we don't stop people. <laughs> Um, and actually, one of the things we, we talk about at the end of a retreat is that the kind of expansion and contraction is a natural part of life. And so just, you know, the heart muscle opens and expand, expands and contracts and the ebb and flow of the tides. And so after a retreat experience, it it will inevitably happen most 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 likely that some some contraction will happen again that are the you know we've spent depending how old you are when you come to retreat but decades of living with our psychic structure and our learned um, patterns of behavior so so that for for us it's not so much like if even in the mentality of like we must stop it there's there's part of the um, Part of what we try to unlearn so so how i would answer that is actually in general meeting the the psychedelic journey and what comes up and meeting all of ourselves with curiosity and with love i mean as cheesy as it sounds my experience is that the only thing that really heals is love and love has different expressions you know safety can be one of them so so the whatever patterns that we have that don't serve us anymore rather than just having this like oh i want to stop you you're like not uh, you're not actually getting more curious about okay what's underneath that like why what's the the belief what's the fear underneath it what what does it need that's one one approach just that kind of curious inquiry and meeting it with curiosity and compassion rather than um yeah like uh, anger or, or violence towards it and so, so and and then there's also something I, I guess we we um we talk about also like we have this dual approach of one that's a bit more this yeah like uh, inquisitive and then feminine and understanding and nurturing loving and then there's also the more kind of 
practice oriented and also keeping and, and um, training the muscle that orients us towards where do we want to go and how do we want to be and looking at it like okay these new patterns that we want to develop these new behaviors these new ways of being they're essentially muscles that we haven't trained so that's where the element of practice comes in and we explore different practices we invite our participants afterwards to really it's about essentially like really saying yes to your life and embracing it embracing the whole journey and bringing in tools and practices that can help you every day more and more to remember what is it that your heart most longs for what are you really here for and what do you need to do to help you support you and there's so many different tools and practices depending on who you are mine and jennifer's practices have similarities and also are very different because we're very different people so it's uh, it's about we support supporting people to find their own way stay with it yeah <laughs> well stay with it i was about to say you've mentioned in fact both of you when you've talked about the retreats you've talked about the longevity of it and and, and i found that you've both mentioned is it's it's a you know, it's a process or it's, or, or it's about change. It's not about just a one-off. And I think that, and, and in fact, when I was reading up on, on, on you both, you talked about, I suppose, using the journeys to cultivate happiness rather than relying on them as a quick fix or a, or, or a facility to numb yourself from a particular pain or something you might be suffering and only to then return back to the normal patterns. So I think that idea that this happens on a, on a timeline and is actually part of, of, of your life is, is quite, is quite significant. But do you think, um, do you think Jen, there is a misunderstanding um, and sadly something like psychedelics might just get put into the big pot that everyone thinks of is just, they, they might put a label on called drugs and think that drugs are used by people to numb themselves and not as a tool to improve and cultivate that happiness. Yeah, I mean, yes, definitely. Like we are still very much, um, you know, there's, I guess there's still that heritage of the whole, like the war on drugs and how the whole research into psychedelics was shut down, you know, following from the 60s and all of that stuff is still very present. And of course, like all the, the research and publications and everything that's been released, you know, into the medias the last few years is slowly changing that. And it's, you know, it's interesting just the idea that, yeah, indeed, like a lot of drugs are about numbing, but in a way, like psychedelics are almost kind of, <laughs> I'd say it, it just switches on your awareness to um, to such a strong degree. It's, it's, it's really the, the, the absolute opposite of numbing. Yeah, I, I think there is something else that is, you know, problematic and it, it kind of just also touches on what Steph was speaking to just before, but in a way we're kind of the, the, the victims of a very black and white kind of linear, you know, mindset. And even just this word, you know, that's very popular now in, in the psychedelic scene of integration. And we were talking about that recently after an integration call that we held. It's like, what what do we really mean by integration? You know, it kind of almost gives this feeling of like there's a finish line and you have an experience and then you integrate it and that's it. And and there's very often and also because of how things are framed, actually, in some publications around psychedelics, like people have the idea and the hope, which is totally natural, that they have this peak experience and then they integrate it and then they just become that, you know, it's like they, they want to stay in that state, in that 
most expensive state where you know all neuroses seem to dissolve somehow but the truth is that that's not really how things go and i don't actually believe that that's what integration means i think for me there's something about just stretching let's say like stretching the spectrum of possibilities it's just like getting it in our system that yes we can be our neurotic wounded contracted self and we can also be all these other things but we can't just you know immutably abide in these kind of higher states like we're still dynamic beings and we're influenced by our environments and our moods and our tiredness and our physical body and all sorts of things so um yeah i think it's it's really important to move beyond this kind of black and white um very kind of straight line linear thinking we interrupt this podcast to announce that we will never interrupt this podcast with ads ads that awkwardly nudge you to contact the pods host giles at gasp.agency only last week some pod listing companies did just that calling for guidance on research and brand positioning but we're definitely not asking you to do that anyway back to the show Yeah, I had Yoda pinned for Luke's father. Anyway, hang on. If oh, there we go. Jump into That's it. better. Like, because you were asking about the yeah, the the quick fix and mentality and panacea. Yeah, I, I, I really think it's more. It's a, about changing how we re, like exactly what what Gemma is saying. Changing how we relate to ourselves and how we relate to life, and that is part of what psychedelics do. It's not this this idea of like okay, this there's something wrong with me and I need to fix it and I'm going to take this thing and, and, and then I'm done. It's more about actually cultivating a new attitude to life and the current attitude that we have is very, yeah, like it's very convenience and consumption oriented. We just want it. We want to be able to buy it and we want it quick and we want it easy. And actually it's about yeah embracing the, the journey. And when, when you do that, it, it can be, it's, it's like much more challenging in many ways, but also so much richer and vaster. And suddenly, you know, like the, the, the game that we could be playing as humanity could be so much more exciting and, and beautiful and vaster than what we're doing right now. So it's like, yes, that it requires a sort of a like willingness to, to show up for it, but the, the benefits are, um, yeah, are very lush. Yeah, well said. I, I really like you picking up the point on convenience and consumption because they're the, the I mean they're at the core of that quick fix mentality. And and I you know you shouldn't need an article in the FT to for validation. Um, but I do but I do think that goes a long way. And sadly, this really binary kind of way of thinking and that war on drugs has really done a real disservice to types of work that you both do with people uh, to cultivate happiness and to actually improve lives I was having a conversation with someone uh, recently about alcohol um, and, and my own opinion and I do have a very experience uh, or several experiences quite a significant experience of drugs to relate to but I my experience alcohol has been far more damaging to many people I know than any particular drug so um, it's, it's there's, there's a weird PR battle at play sadly which probably you know comes into effect in, in your worlds 
Yeah, and, and I think it's sorry. <laughs> I think it's so sad because I feel like we operate. When I think of alcohol, like we operate on a spectrum from like kind of nice to maybe nice to like potentially very damaging. You know, it's like we yeah, you can have like um, you can have a nice time with alcohol, and I you know like uh, Jen also enjoys a, a good uh, chug of whiskey here and there. It's like we're not. We've all heard about Jen. Spiritual, you know, like uh, it's not like that. Like we, we also aren't really black and white. But yeah, when when you just look at how, in general, I would say alcohol is being used is it ranges from being like something to just like help us through our like discomfort and inability to relax and being a bit awkward to just like you know help us have like a little bit of a bigger better time because we are unable to find that ease and that joy in our being without it to to becoming potentially very damaging and um, and actually and actually, there are really so many other ways of, of being and it's possible and we can cultivate that. But it's almost like that awareness, the knowledge of that doesn't exist for most people. For most people, all the options to have a good time is to go out and have some drinks with some mates. And uh, and it's sometimes fun and often like not that satisfying. But actually, it is possible. Like it is possible to live in a much more fulfilling way and that's also it's not just psychedelics are becoming very popular now for like what you mentioned before people who have you know like it's thinking of like people who really have mental health struggles and and they have immense potential for that but actually they this way of life that they open us up to has potential for for all of us to live richer more enjoyable fulfilled lives um, before I go on to our listener questions, which I'm about to head to, can you just give me a, like a, an overview of the types of people that typically you work with on your retreats? Because uh, I, I suspect they come from all walks of life and all different ages and backgrounds. Oh, absolutely. It is. Well, there, there's layers of diversity in many ways. It is not um, as diverse as we would want it to be. Um, and that says something about societies and all sorts of things. And it is also very diverse in terms of, yeah, like um, backgrounds, life experiences, um, countries, nationalities. Yeah, it's, uh, we've had, I think, participants, the youngest must have been 19 or 20. And we've had, I think, the, the oldest was 78 or something like that. Um, so, yeah, we, we do get a really wide spectrum. Yeah, I see. I was wondering whether there's a particular age of our lives where we seek meaning more than we do at other ages, but um, perhaps that's not that's not the case. Aside from the fact that I think we're we're collectively all quite lost in our in our society, and so everyone's seeking meaning. But it's also interesting that something else that we've lost a sense for in our in our culture is around rites of passage, and that there are different moments of transition of meaning and and different periods of our life so thinking about you know somebody who's 19 and you know looking for direction in their life to somebody who's at the end of their life and maybe asking themselves some big questions about this last chapter and the, the transition that comes afterwards and also in I mean in the middle like we I would say even though the spectrum is very wide and we do tend to have 
quite young people and, and older people at almost all of our retreats. But the, the kind of biggest cohort of people is definitely between 30 and 50 or, or 60, like 30s, 40s and, and 50s. And yeah, and I think there, there we all individually at different times of our life reach moments when we when we kind of brush up against uh, the the skin, the the snake skin that we inhabit, where where life is sort of like edging us on to take the next developmental step, the next growth step, where it's like, oh, maybe actually like it's time for something something more and and that can be related to a big life transition or yeah it can just be something that's pulling you it can just be a curiosity some people come and they some people come and it's very clear to them that they they really are in a big transition and some people they they don't really know what's happening yet and it's just this quiet inner voice of curiosity that's pulling them somewhere and that's at work kind of in the background so it, it varies a lot but i'd say yeah are the people are quite normal in kind of quotation marks like they're really just like your average they're not particularly spiritual or you know we like uh hippie hippies yeah, yeah not at all but there is a sort of a basic um, yes, openness and curiosity and a little, you know, a bit of a sense for adventure that, of course, is what brings them even to, to come. But, but yeah, they're quite uh, normal people. Yeah, well, yeah, as normal as any of us are. Perfect. And, and Stefano, just quickly, do they, do they, uh, do you typically discuss and, and try and, I suppose, heal pain that's related to their life inside or outside of say their working profession because I would suspect that it's really one and the same and you're actually trying to you know look and help someone from their very core but presumably a source of a lot of anxiety and pain in people's lives is their career perhaps or is their place of work or it could be anything and any, everything. I suppose the only reason I'm asking that sorry just to add a, just to give you a bit more clarity on that question because it was a bit a bit woolly what I meant was is this something that lends itself to say business people who are you know, seeking some some meaning in their life? Or is that actually not really the right lens to look at this through? Because you're actually talking about people as a, you know, as a whole. No, I think it is, uh, it is definitely very relevant also for business people. And um, both because business people are still people. <laughs> They're, uh, you know, humans with their own questions about life etc but also because i think we are in a very particular time where also how we do business and what it means to lead and what kind of organizational structures um, are appropriate for our incredibly fast changing complex time and environment that we're in so also for for that from that perspective i think the insights and kind of the the openness the the flexibility the the different tools that you can the inner tools and inner resources you can cultivate and get access to through this kind of work and and also that we actively teach i think can be tremendously beneficial also to then take back into the the work context and it can also be if if you if, if somebody who maybe has some questions around am I in the right career path and in the right role or is there something else that's calling me or do I, am I kind of 
bringing my full potential here. So, so also for that, I mean, it, it depends. There's different, different kind of angles that you can come to it. But I, I do think that essentially on some level you can just talk about it. It's a way to access your own inner wisdom and to tap into well to, to tap into wisdom and that's that can be useful and can be applied to anything related to life yeah of course of course good answer um so we've got our listener questions now which i'd like to move on to so asking the general public for their opinion be it on brexit or boat names is notoriously fraught with danger but that's not stopped us asking so as, as usual we've selected two um and the first one i'll put to you uh jen if i may um, and the question is from Lucy, and Lucy says, I've heard that microdosing psychedelics can help unlock creativity. What's your view on using psychedelics for creativity purposes? Oh, sure. Um, hi, Lucy, in the sky with diamonds. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, to be perfectly honest like i don't actually have uh, much personal experience of microdosing uh, i just tried it once for a couple of weeks a few weeks um so yeah i don't have really a lot of personal experience to speak from but that general question of using psychedelics for creativity i mean yes definitely i think <laughs> creativity is oh my god like such a, a powerful force in life and in us um it can be such a powerful force for healing for transformation for fulfillment such a powerful way of tapping into wisdom inner wisdom guidance so i mean yeah i i, I see creativity as being completely part of the the deep journey that that psychedelics can help us on um and stefana the question uh, question two from Greg, is what's the most powerful experience you've had so far on one of your retreats? <laughs> okay, good. I, I was not worried, but um, something else that's similar <laughs> to worried, <laughs> whether the question was going to be what's the most powerful experience I've had in my own psychedelic journey, because that would be uh, would be quite some storytelling now. Um, but no, on, on our retreats, um wow it's also a a tough one because there've been so many beautiful stories it's it's hard to pick one out i remember one i remember one participant who he really struggled with yeah kind of relational contact with others and you know with hugging and so forth and and in the very closing circle he uh, he his sharing was he he demanded like a hug from everybody and it, it it's hard to just to make you realize like how powerful it was but for somebody who just so struggled with physical contact and coming close for him to stand there at the end and and he was sharing also about he's like when I go home I'm gonna hug my son and I'm gonna hug my wife and I'm gonna hug my mom and he was just yeah so that was really really meaningful and I remember also um, a 62 year old woman at one of the retreats who shared with me afterwards that she had never been hugged in her whole life the way that I hugged her during the ceremony and that was just like, oh, like, you know, somebody who's gone so far in their lives. So, so there have been 
yeah stories many stories like like that um obviously i guess you you the, the things that stick out the most are these i, I, I guess what I, what i want to add onto that is is that these are sort of ext- more far out on on a certain spectrum people that that maybe some listeners won't relate to because it's like well they've been hugged and 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 but they stand out so much because they're such a huge such a huge jump but there's um there there are other people that that have come on the retreats and then just gone off and you you see them and they whole like genuinely like their lives transform and they just you know like it's really sort of ignited something and then they just take it and they you know they go off and they do they follow other pieces and they go on this retreat and they change things around and and that's been that's been really um yeah really meaningful amazing i have read all of the testimonials on your site actually and it doesn't surprise me what you've just said about that lady and and, and the hug because they are so glowing and they're so glowing in recognizing the significance of the the group as well as their own personal um, experience which i thought was uh, particularly telling and, and interesting um so the the final part of our interview is our four pertinent poses that we put to all of our guests Question two is actually less relevant. So I'm going to ask both of you question one to make up the numbers. Uh, so starting uh, with you, Jen, what advice would you give to your younger self? Ah, uh, Yes, it's funny how um, hard it kind of is to think about that. But um, I, I guess the, the main thing is you can do something about it. I, I, I guess I felt when I was young very much the kind of passive victim of these immense forces of my own emotions and for me discovering I guess firstly meditation and then psychedelics and just inner work is like oh I can actively cultivate well-being happiness I can cultivate qualities that will help me face hardships and 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 navigate my emotions more skillfully and not even just navigate them skillfully but actually even grow a little wiser as a result so um yeah you, you can do something about it uh, Stefana, what about you? What advice would you give to a young Stefana? Yeah, I love that question. Uh, my advice to young Stefana would be that to honor the the truth of everything that um, that she's that one one is feeling. That basically there's that you're not wrong for feeling anything that you're feeling. Like nothing about you is wrong, and to not abandon your truth for you know being afraid of rejection or feeling like you need to please anybody or that you're not going to belong etc and that actually the the thing that you're so afraid to show yourself with is what's going to create connection and what's going to create healing and the the yeah the real medicine of truth and just to keep cultivating your own love for the truth and to trust it to move beyond the fear to trust that uh, sharing finding your own truth and standing by it and sharing it uh, a lot of healing and beauty and magic will come from that are there any books that you would recommend to our listeners jen and i and i and i'm dying to know what the first book you ever read on buddhism was by the way oh well well funnily uh the book i was gonna recommend is the first book i ever read on buddhism so there's your two answers in one it's called uh, Awakening the Buddha Within. Um, bit of a cheesy title, but it was, um, yeah, absolutely transformative. There's 
Yeah. There's one one passage in particular, I remember, where he just gives these like very basic instructions on meditation. And I was 16 when I read the book. And there's something about just walking barefoot on the grass and feeling the sensations of the grass. And I remember being just absolutely mind blown by doing that. It was like, oh, I can be present. And um, and yeah, that's just the beginning of a long journey. Well, we will link to that book. Um, uh, Stefano, are there any books that you can recommend to our listeners? Um, yes. So one of my favorite books is called The More Beautiful World Our Hearts Know Is Possible by uh, Charles Eisenstein. Yeah, for me, Charles has an ability to penetrate through the issues of our time and of our own hang-ups of our own psyche etc just to such a depth that he's really pierced things and it always opens my heart and is incredibly insightful and I just write like yes 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 in the in the comment like in the margins when I write notes in it and yeah that book is just a really um yeah a really beautiful book that also talks about a mm, a lot of the the aspects where we where we can get hung up in sort of dogma and uh, and idealism and it just goes that little that little bit further um and it's yeah he's just a very wise uh, man and i highly recommend him perfect fantastic and then and then uh, the last poser is is more of a request really we we always dedicate every episode to someone and we bestow that honor to our guest who has to give their reason why so i mean i will allow you one each if there's not a consensus here but stefano would you um dedicate this episode i was hoping you'd choose jen first because i just realized one question we actually didn't um we didn't talk about before i would dedicate it to my to two people that were very big teachers of mine um that founded something called the path of love which is something that was really fundamental fundamental in teaching me what was now my advice to my younger self around really you know being able to listen and honor and follow your your truth so their names are Rafia Morgan and Taria Hanover and I did my therapy training with them as well and yeah I cannot recommend the path of love highly enough to anybody and I also feel like giving a shout out to Rick Doblin who is the founder of the of MAPS the multiplanary association of psychedelic studies because he's just yeah a real incredible being and we wouldn't be doing the work that we're doing if it wasn't for him uh, so those are two Jen who do you got I mean I'm I, for some reason like I just really I'm getting this wave of memories well thinking about my grandmother and um, she used to take me to there's a big shop called La Fnac in France where they have like infinite number of books and um, she was a therapist um and she used to take me there every Wednesday and we'd, we'd buy a book and talk about therapy and philosophy and etymology. And yeah, she played a, a huge role in my early, early days of inner work. She's, she's a wonderful grandmother. Moki, I love you. <laughs> oh, brilliant. I'm, I'm going to be super sneaky and just get one more thing in. It's also cheesy, but it, I really do feel like that's the, the note that I would love to end on is to dedicate it. It also to our participants and to actually every single person on this earth who has the courage to face themselves and heal the the, the trauma that they can and to to show up to life in the in the fullest way that they can and play 
their part and their contribution to um, this collective dance that we're dancing so yeah i want to dedicate it to all of them and to um, to all the others out there amazing great dedications great thank you so much um so as a final call to action on this episode's listings people will find links to awakening the buddha within uh, the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible uh, to Alaleho, but how else can our listeners get more Stefana and Jen? Yeah, I was gonna say I, I already don't remember everything you just <laughs> you just said, but yeah, basically our um, our website. I think signing up to our newsletter is nice, sometimes nice, or as nice as social media because we we share our thoughts every now and then. It's like our our Alalaho Alala Ala love letter and um, sporadic Ala love letter and. Um, and yeah, of course, social, social media, the, the usual. But the, yeah, the best thing would be if it speaks to you to actually come, come on, a, on a retreat and uh, meet us there. Amazing. Well, Jen, Stefano, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real, a real pleasure, a real pleasure to talk. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the, the questions and the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and, and finally, thank you to everyone listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do share and review the pod. Keep your questions and guest requests coming in. To get in touch, it's easy to find GASP online. You can check out CTA Pod on Instagram or just email hello at calltoaction.co. Yeah, hey.